Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. You know, so I can get my voice back. I believe God has something to share for us to know. And so usually one is like that. The enemy is not happy about it. And so you have all sort of, you know, things going on. But we are very grateful today. Yes. Um, about the marriage conference, like she said, our goal is to push back against what the devil is doing against marriages. So we don't want money to be an impediment where somebody will say, I don't have money, so I'm not going. We want you to come. So if money is an issue, please let us know, and we will be willing to help. We, 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 we don't want the devil to have it. See, it's an institution that God made from the beginning, man <laughs> and the woman. God instituted that. And so, with that, the enemy from the beginning has been fighting against that, and he continues to do so. But we are also not ignorant of what he's doing. And so our goal is to push back against what he's doing. So, please, come. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is we are reading the Bible together as a church. So if you are not part of it, if you don't have the app, please try to download it and read it. We are doing this in the unity of the Spirit together as a body. And so be part of it. And that is it right there. You know, you can read it. And if you have any thoughts what God is putting on your heart, you can post it there too. We want everybody to use the giftings God has given them. It is not only one person or, or two people or three people or those who stand here. We are the body of Christ, and he speaks to us, all of us. And so as you read it, whatever he puts on your heart, you can just, you know, post it. Another thing I want to talk about is um, prayer. What God has put on our heart to do as a church is that every month there will be a prayer topic that we will put out there. Even though we know you are praying, doing your own prayers, we want to be in unity too as a body of Christ. So every month we will have a prayer topic. And so when you go to your closet, when you are praying, you know, you can pray about it, you know, throughout the month. So this month, what we have is marriages. We are praying for marriages. So from now up to February 28th, right, the last day, pray. Call people by name, those you know, those you, you know, those who are in the church. Even if you don't know them, just say something about them. We, we want to be together in unity. 
And so the following month, we will come out, we will will see God as to what topic we have to bring for us to pray about. It could be children and grandchildren. You know, it could be people's jobs. It It could be anything. We'll be seeking God to do this in unity. Amen. So this man, don't forget to pray for marriages, okay? Do, do it. We are pushing back as a church of Christ. If we sit back and we don't do anything, the enemy has footstool and he does what he wants to do. But when we push back, that's what the Bible says, resist what the devil and he will flee. And that is what we have to do, resist. And so we are going to do that. So be part of it. And don't just leave it to few people here. <laughs> okay. God bless you. All right. I believe that is the announcement. Now, Friday evening, we are coming to eat food. You know, it's marriage couples eating and having some fun. So it's not going to be anything serious like, oh, it's a comfort. I'm just, I'm, I'm just not going because I don't want, no. Just come and eat. Have fun. Talk to people. You know, socialize. Uh, get advice from people. Now, this week, somebody sent a, a message uh, or on a phone that had few people there about marriage tip. And I thought this was cool. I think I could use that. You know, <laughs> so, so we want to come as you are eating, talk to people, socialize, and get the tips, you know, to keep you going. Amen. Has anybody heard of anything... Uh, uh, Pony Express. Anybody? Pony Express? Yeah, Pony Express. All right, so what we are going to do is, since people know about Pony Express, I'm just going to hand over the mic. What about they have to say about it? Because what, what I'm going to talk about will be said, I'm not going to teach on Pony Express, no. It is... Connected to that, I'm trying to use that as an illustration. So, anybody want to say anything about Pony Express? Yes. Somebody said the original mail system. I, I, that's good. I am young. I'm not that old to know. It's, it's research. Okay, that's why I got to know that. So, uh, I'm going to say something little about it. It was fascinating to me when I was reading about it, you know, that there were this dedication, people that were dedicated to do things that were, things that could get them killed, risk their lives. And because they had goals, you know, they have a purpose in the sense of direction, they put themselves in it. So Pony Express was a private mail company that carried mail by organized relay of horse back. So this horse, p- these people will ride this horse and then go as long as they have to go to deliver mail. That, that was when, before Telegraph <laughs> came. So imagine if you have to relay something it has to be by somebody sitting on this horse and riding through snow, 
or to sunshine or whatever they went. So it was between um, April 3rd, 1860 to November 18, 1861. Now they said it started, you know, the end was, uh, Eastern end was uh, St. Joseph, Missouri. And then the Western terminal was Sacramento, California. So they would get on these horses and just take off with this mail. Now the goal was to deliver the mail if nothing happened, you know, they don't get attacked by the Indians or the horse does not break the leg or anything happened within 10 days, they have to be able to deliver the mail. And um, it was expected to do, they, they were supposed to do 2,000 miles in 10 days. 2,000 miles. So imagine sitting on a horse and the snow falling on you and you are going through rocky mountains and wherever to deliver a mail. It was very tough job, but they were determined that this is what they want to do. And it was funny, when I was researching it, the commercial that they put in the San Francisco newspaper, this is what, this is what it reads, said, wanted young skinny. <laughs> you know, that, that was the commercial trying to get people. Wanted young skinny wiry fellows, not over 18 must be expert riders willing to risk daily, orphans preferred. <laughs> yeah, and the question is why did they want orphans? You know, orphans preferred must, must be skinny and also risk your life daily. <laughs> you know, Christian life, uh, sometimes we just take it so easy. But these people, I'm not saying they were Christian, but I'm connecting it to even that. They had a goal, a purpose. And so to risk their life, to go through this. But when you read, they said, of all this, they never lack people that were applying. So if it was me and I heard something like that, orphans preferred. Skinny people. Uh, daily risking your life that means you could die because you could go through an area where you're not supposed to go where there could be some indians there that would just come after you and you are dead but yet they risk it so they were supposed to write it said 15 to 25 miles every day and then change the horse and then go again. For them to do all this, as I was researching, and my, my thought was, what will make somebody want to take a job like that? You know, why? But obviously, I don't know the reason why they wanted a job, but what I could come out with, maybe there was some kind of adventure. 
you know, they, they, they are expert writers. And so maybe some adventure that they, they, they was experienced prompted them, or maybe they needed money, or maybe they have, you know, something going on that was making them trying to do that. But smart thing is, they were not supposed to wear jackets and stuff because it will put load on, weight on them. Because when the Indians are chasing them, they have to be able to go fast. So you go with sleeves. And imagine wearing something like this and there's snow. How did they do it? And yet they did it. Okay. So it was very fascinating to me when I read it. I'll be doing a series about discipline, spiritual discipline of the Christian life. But today, I want to talk about something else, one of the disciplines, and that is discipline of the mind. Discipline your mind. Make sure your mind is intact, that the enemy has no foot so. So when you talk of discipline, discipline is habits of devotion. It's a commitment. It's work. It doesn't just happen. You have to do something about it. So if, if you think that you, you want something to happen and you're not doing anything about it, it is not going to happen. So discipline is that you have to have a purpose and a sense of direction. Tom uh, Landry, first head coach of Dallas Cowboys. He said something, and, I, and I, I quote, The job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. That is what he said. To make men do what they don't want to do. So that means naturally those things will not come to them, right? They have to want to do get there. They have to want to do it. They have to have the commitment. So let's connect that to the Christian life. Naturally, there are some things that doesn't come to us. We have to want to have it. And that is the mind. Discipline in the mind. You know, we are every day bombarded with thoughts. You know, so I'm going to concentrate on thoughts that we get, different uh, thoughts that is always coming. <clears throat> the mind is like a farm. Okay, some of us who been to, you know, work on a farm or been to places, you know what a farm is. So the mind is like a farm. And thoughts are like seeds that we sow, right? So if... I saw something in the farm, my goal, if I wanted to germinate, to bring something good, I have to work, you know, take care of it. I have to make sure I water it, you know, do whatever I have to do, fertilizer, whatever I need to do to make it. But if I go into the farm too and I see weeds, things that I don't want, what do I do? I pluck them out. I get rid of them. The mind is like that. Every day you get a lot of thoughts that will be sweeping through. Some of them positive, 
some of them negative it's like a battlefield that is what the enemy does all his whispering you know throw this out there throw this there and then when he throws that out there his goal is to make you latch on it and run with it for instance if he throws something like oh you just made a mistake today so you were a failure right you have failed his goal is to let you hold on to that yes you have made a mistake so you have failed so you that means that is connected to you you are a failure so when we entertain that he makes us live with that emotion and we run with it but today thank god we have jesus because he has made provision for us to be able to deal with that <laughs> you know and so all these emotions and things that usually cloud our minds it does it so when the guy said to make men do what they don't want to do i thought how many of us take the time to nurture our mind to be conscious of what is coming inside the whisperings that the enemy is putting out there how many of us take the time to recognize that all right the quality of our thoughts create the quality of our lives <laughs> the quality of our thoughts will create how quality our life has to be so a lot of times when you see people that are having a lot of things that are going on in their mind it is hard sometimes to live a life the way they want to live so when you experience that or when you see people like that please take time to pray for them because sometimes it's like a battle that they are probably going through and they cannot have the freedom so you standing there in the gap praying for them God could use that to get them out of that situation. So we have to be mindful of our surroundings, the people that we see, the people that we know, and not just get ourselves consumed, just us, but to also be able to pray for people. All right. Let's move on. Our thought patterns reinforces our beliefs. Our thought patterns reinforces our beliefs. So when the seed is sown and we accept it and we move with it and it keeps coming and coming and coming and coming, it forms a belief. And that's why sometimes there are some people when you talk to them you will say everything positive and yet it's hard for them to overcome and accept that positivity because the pardon has been going on 
So it has been like a, a belief, something that they've accepted into their body, into their mindset, into their being. And so they live with it. But there is grace. <laughs> God's grace is able to help overcome. So I'm not trying to bring, you know, negativity here. No, we'll be reading scriptures for you to know how we can deal with these situations, the battle that goes on in the mind. For the enemy to have footstool, he starts with the mind. Remember, Jesus was with the people, his disciples, and he said, I have to be able to die, you know, I'm just paraphrasing. I need to, uh, I, I, the son of man has to die. And Peter, Peter, the thoughts came to me, why is Jesus going to die? No, he doesn't. I don't need to die. So he walked to Jesus, you know, let me tell you, I don't, I don't need you to die, right? But what did Jesus do? He rebuked the devil. He did not attack Peter, right? Even though he called the name of Peter, but he did not. He rebuked the devil because he realized that thought was coming to him and that could have caused an issue. So our mind is like a gateway, right? The enemy speaks through that and uses that, the gateway. And so it is our job to exercise it. That is where the discipline comes in. Discipline your mind. Somebody said something. And this is a psychologist. And he, her name is Amy Moran. She said, once you draw a conclusion about yourself, you are likely to do two things. One, the evidence that reinforces your belief. And two, anything that runs contrary to your beliefs. So you, once, once you draw conclusion to your, about yourself of something, what you do is anything that is positive that is coming to you is like something dispels it because you've already formed something about you. It is my prayer today that today God will just make you form a different thoughts. Things that really bring you down and not make you understand what he has for you. That he will start to reprogram it and change it so your thoughts can be what he wants it to be. As we keep thinking unwanted thoughts... Emotions can produce, can be produced. And we may not, and if we are not careful, we will live by the experiences of the emotions. <laughs> As we keep thinking unwanted thoughts. So, this is what I've seen. You have to know the thoughts that are coming. Is it from God? Is it, from, is it from the enemy? Is it my own flesh? You have to recognize that. 
So let's look at this for example. You see, our thoughts makes it do things that usually if we latch onto it, if we hold onto it, or if we possess that thought, it will make us do things that normally we will probably not do. Let's look at um, 18 wheeler, for example. 18 wheeler, right? That small thing in front, what is it called? Uh, the cab. Thank you. The cab. Okay. It is what is pulling that long 18 wheeler, right? So the 18 wheeler, the trailer cannot pull itself unless the cab has everything it has to pull it. And wherever the, the cab wants the trailer to go, that is where the trailer will go. So if the cab turns this way, the trailer has to follow. If you turn that way, the trailer has to follow. It's the same thing with the mind. The thoughts that the enemy puts there, or the thoughts that come to us, the goal is to pull us along. But we have to recognize that and stop it. That's why the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee away from you. Okay. Somebody once said, <laughs> you are not your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. So what is coming to the mind, that is not you. You are the thoughts you give power and attention to. So you are not your thought. I, I, I'm not saying, you know, the enemy will not speak. Actually, he spoke to Jesus too. Right? If you are the son of God, turn this into. He spoke to him. So he will speak to you too. He will speak to me. But the thing is, right here, you are not your thoughts, but it is the thoughts that you give power and attention to. That defines you. So if I entertain it. That means I want it. If I don't entertain it. I don't need it. And that is as simple as that. So as Christians. What do we entertain? In a way we become like. A, you know. Police. The moment they hear. 911 what is your emergency? Right? Somebody said, oh, there's a, some, a, a robbery or something going on. They jump in your car and they go. What is their goal? To go and make sure that situation is solved. Right? Destroy. That is how our mind has to be. <laughs> we have to be ready. Just like the police. Be ready to just jump and stop it. So the thought that, just, that comes in our mind, we need to figure that out. Connect it. Why am I feeling like this? Is there any underlying problem? Is there something going on? This is not from God. You are not welcome here. So the gate has to be closed. The gate to the mind that the enemy uses. We have to be able to close it. And how do we do that? We will come to that. I'm just trying to let us understand the mind, how the enemy uses it. And we've all been there. 
it just starts like, uh, you know, when I was growing up, they would tell us something that uh, we were trying to learn how to speak English, and they, they, they wanted us to memorize, you know, proverbs and words and sayings. And so one of the things that I was told that I liked was little drops of water make a mighty ocean. Little drops of water make a mighty ocean. I was able to put this in my head, and I loved it. Did I understand it? No, I didn't. But it was something that as I was growing, I realized, okay, drops of water, it's like a proverb. A drop, little, I allow it to come. Little, little, little. The next thing I know is ocean, is widespread. And I cannot do anything about it. So the moment it starts right there, I have to take care of it. I don't need this water. I don't want it to turn into an ocean because if I allowed it to turn into an ocean, I will not be able to swim in there. So that is how we should tackle the mind, the thoughts, the things that comes to the mind. All right. Our thoughts can trigger emotions which could trigger a body reaction which in turn can drive us to act or behave certain way. I'm going to say that again. Our thoughts can trigger emotions which could trigger a body reaction which in turn could drive us to act or behave in a certain way. So, when these are coming, and we allow it, it turns into emotions. And when emotions is not controlled, and it's not emotion, things that are from God, it leads to things that are not worthy, ugly things. And so, we have to find ways to deal with that. In his book, John Arden, he's a psychologist, a brain, brain person. This is what he said. The more you do something, the more likely it is that you will do it again. The more you do something, the more likely it is that you will do it again in the future. Repetition rewires the brain and breeds habits. Repetition rewires your brain and breeds habits. The more neurons, now he is going into that scientific stuff. I just wanted to bring that too. You know, we are talking about spiritual, but I wanted to bring this in for you to connect the dot here. He said, the more neurons fire together, the more likely it is that they fire again in the future. So the neurons, the stuff you have in your brain that makes your brain, you know, work, the more it fires, the more it's likely it's going to do that again. And he is a psychologist, a person that deals with the brain. So all these people are saying things to make them understand that taking control of our thoughts is very important. 
especially in our Christian walk. We have to discipline it. Discipline our thoughts. Now, this guy, too, said something. He's uh, an author, Michael Neal, of neuro-linguistic programming. That's a big word. Neuro-linguistic uh, neuro programming. People that connect, you know, the brain with language, they do things like that. It's like psychotherapies or whatever they call them. Yes. This is what he said. It's not the thoughts that pass through your head that impact your life. It's the one you take possession of and think about all day. Once we agree to give an attention to that thought, it becomes more real to us over time and has more power over our life. Okay. It's not the thoughts that pass through your head that impact your life. It's the one you take possession of. And that is what I was talking about. That when that thing is dropped in there, you don't have to take possession of it. You have to immediately resist it. Because when you allow it and you think about it, then you ponder on it, and then you are taking possession, ownership of it. And it stays in there. And once it stays, it creates a whole lot of issues. All right. So how do we deal with this? How do we deal with that? Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. Do we have it here? Second Corinthians 10:5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is it right there. This is how we deal with the situation. This is how we train our mind. We discipline our mind. We bring every thought captive. So it's like the police. So now you are acting like a police, right? You are arresting the thoughts. I will not let you stay. You are not welcome here through Jesus Christ. I commend you. You cannot have dominion over my mind. Just get out. So the first step, you recognize it. Then you use the power in the name of Christ to cast it out. And that is what you do right there. All right. Another thing is that you try to meditate. Now, there are a lot of spiritual disciplines. We'll be going through that some months to come, whatever, but I'm just going to run through it. Philippians 4 8. Final, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is ad admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Thank you. 
Yes, and what? The God of peace will be with you. That's what she said. It's in there. So these. So we have to think about this stuff. That is how we combat the enemy. The thoughts that he speaks to us. That's how we're able to sift through the chaff and the wheat. The ones that are unwanted and the ones that are wanted. Whatever things appear. So you know. That means my mind had to meditate, has to meditate on those things. My mind becomes the gate. Only pure things has to come. When negative dropped in, I have to flip it away. Cast it out in the name of Jesus. All right. Philippians 2.5. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he is commanding us that we should have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, the thoughts of Christ Jesus. And what is that? You seek the Lord for that. Humility, peace, joy, all those stuff is what Jesus gives. We have to be conscious of that. And meditate on these things. Train yourself. See that guy said. Things does not come to normal. It's not normal to people. And they have to train themselves. To do what they don't want to do. So you have to start training your mind. It will not just come to you. Get up in the morning. You are ready to go. Right? And this thought just starts flying. Somebody in the in driving and probably will cut you or cut in front of you. <laughs> if not Jesus, you are able to just say something or do something. Because the thoughts that come immediately goes to emotions. Because of that, you are able to react in a negative way. We have to learn to deal with that. So with these scriptures, we have to understand that God has given us the power to overcome. Say, so God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of what? Uh-huh. Good. Power, love, right? And of what? Sound mind. So that means it has been given to us. So we have to take hold of it. Amen. We have to possess it. We don't have to let the enemy lie to us that we don't have it. We have it. He has already given it to us. Sound mind. So when all this world, you know, moving in the farm <laughs> to make sure that the seed is bad seed, we have to understand that God has given us the power. It is easy for me to talk about stuff like this, right? But sometimes there are people that these things become like a battle. Raising mind. On, on unwanted thoughts. Thoughts that they don't want. And yet it is hard to overcome. Jesus is able to help. So I'm about to close and we're about to pray. This is a prayer that you have to do before God. You have to go before God. 
and you talk to him about it. Taken captive of every thought that is not worthy of him. That means we have to bring that mind, our thoughts captive. By looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But we ourselves, we don't have the power to do it. But because of him, we are able. And so when we have that mindset, we are able to come against any vials of the devil. Anything that the enemy puts out there. I want you to go before God and talk to him. Present your mind. <laughs> the Bible says we should think of these things, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is noble, whatever is pure. Our mind becomes like a gateway. It is like a gateway. It is a battleground. It is like a farm. It is a place where seeds are sown. And when these seeds are sown, it, it, it goes deeper. As we water it down, it goes deeper. What seed do we want to be experienced with? Do we want to sow? And what fruit do we want to have? What tree do we want the seed that we sow put up? Why don't you talk to God about your mind? this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.